So good morning. It's good to be here. Uh, we have a little special guest who's going to share for a few minutes. I want to invite Joe Chinisi to come up. Um, as you give him a hand, come on. Little love, little love, little love, little love. All right, good. Uh, for all you standing in the back, we have lots of seats over here. Come on and sit with us. Um, Joe is going to share something that he's been um, working through, um, through an app that we had shared with you several months ago. Um, I love when we send an email out and I sit down with you all and say, yeah, this app's great. You're like, I never heard about it. Well, because you don't read your emails. So don't get mad at us. Um, But this was something that Joe had really jumped on where uh, God's just been doing a great work in his life. And so I asked him if he would share about it. And um, I'm going to be your model because I have it right here on the phone and I can help you out if you want. So thanks, Rob. Go for it. All right. So First, uh, I wanted to back up and, and explain. It, it didn't really start with the email, because you know, we get a lot of emails, and that, that didn't clue me in, but uh, that was one of the nudges. You know, Rob always talks about those nudges. Uh, it started uh, months before that with one of Rob's sermons. He was talking about knowing God and knowing the Bible, and that, that's the true way to really know God and, and be closer so that you can be a good disciple. Um, so that was one of the first nudge. I'm like, all right, I, I got to be more well-versed in the Bible and, and know it better. And that, that passed because, you know, Sunday was over and then into the work week and everything. <laughs> um, and, then, and then Omar sent the email just like a week or two later. I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, I just felt that nudge from Rob, reinsurance. And yeah, okay, I, you know, I sent the email to my home email. I was going to download the app and I didn't get to download the app. I, you know, it fell back to the bottom of emails and, and it passed by. Um, but then went to a retreat, got invited uh, with a couple other uh, groups, and, and there it was really, that, that was the third nudge, that, that was finally God like kicking me, saying, all right, I, I really need to know the Bible, to know God, to be able to be a good disciple, and uh, that, that was, the, thir- the third one was the last one, it's like, okay, I have the app, I know I can just download it and, and start this, and the app, as Rob described, um, if you don't have it, you can ask myself, Omar, Rob, um, we can resend you the link, but it's uh, Mission 119. All right, you can just search it in the App Store. And um, the way it's set up is for someone really like me that doesn't have time, um, that is not a reader, and it's, um, and it's not to a, a really set, set schedule. It has a week one and, and five days worth, but if you're not a Monday through Friday, your work week is Wednesday through Sunday or whatever, that's your week. Um, and every day there's a reading, and it's like five or six minutes or so. It's really short, maybe like a chapter. Um, and then there's uh, listening. And that's really what helps me because I can read something and, and not really get it. it just, I read, I'm reading pages, all of a sudden I forget what I read. Uh, I'm not a reader. My wife, she's a reader. She can read books and books and books, and my house has the proof with all the books. Um, but so reading and then listening to it, that's, that's what's helping me to get to know it better. And I made it a part of my routine. So in the morning, I just found an extra five minutes. And what really, really worked for me was just to get out of the house because, you know, sports center is on, I'm getting ready. And, you know, every, you know then there's the next top 10 plays and it just doesn't work. <laughs> but I, I got out of the house, I got in my car and I took the five minutes and I, I opened up the app. I read the chapter, like five minutes. And then in the car, I'm listening. It's with the Bluetooth, it you know, syncs and stuff, and it's great. Um, 
and I can hear, and it's uh, Pastor Sobel? Stumbo? Stumbo, okay. So, yeah, right, I know it's an S. <laughs> but um, he tells you about what you read and, and gives you some background to it and, and relates it to other books of the Bible and, and really gives you a, a better understanding of, of what's going on in what you just read. So it, it makes it more tangible and that you can really follow and apply it. So um, I, at, after a couple weeks, and uh, more, more about it is, you know, there's no one keeping track of you, all right? You get to mark off what days you did, and, you know, I've fallen behind a couple of days, but, you know, one day I just read two, or I read one on a Saturday, and I caught up. Um, now I'm starting week eight of it, and I'm, I'm, like, on track. It's a part of my routine, finally. So every morning I read, and then as I'm driving to where I got to get to, I listen to it. And I'm getting through. So uh, the first couple weeks was Genesis, and then he switched to New Testament. Uh, I'm in the book of John, and uh, it's going great. So if, if this has been something that's been nudging at you, that you really wanted to, to get to know God better through, through knowing the Word, this is a great application. So. Awesome. Thank you. Let's give Joe a hand. So here's, here's the reality. Um, Joe has been you know, walking with Christ for the last four years. Um, I will say this, that most people who have been walking with Christ for many years struggle with reading their Bible. Anyone ever feel that way? Don't have to raise your hand, but it's the truth. And so for us, as we started the church, wow, Brian's tall. Um, when we started the church, we said, how do we take people from point A to point Z? Point A to point Z. And so I'm gonna, what I'll do is for our Monday movement, on the, the video, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, I will take my app and I'll walk you through how to go through the whole thing. I love that you guys come here and hear me. Like, that's really, like, encouraging and, like, makes me feel good. But, like, my voice, hearing from God and God's Word speaking to you are two different things. His Word is stronger than my voice. And when you're in your Bible regularly, God speaks clearly, clearly. Um, I see that. I see that even yesterday for, for Josh Pierce and Allison Pierce. Uh, they had a situation at home and uh, something broke in their house that could have just ruined a whole lot of stuff. And when I saw her, her attitude was like I've never seen before. When I talked to Josh, his attitude, why? Because they're in their word. And one of the things that is so attractive to me about pastoring this church is that I feel like sometimes the younger are leading the older. With mission, living out, with living in and community, family, and really focusing on up. I see a whole lot of people that are new to their faith that are running harder with Jesus than people that I know for 20, 30, 40 years. And so today needs to be the day of a new year where you are going to learn to hear from God's voice and God's spirit. Um, one little quick little story um, you know, I, I came to Christ when I was really 19 years old. And, um, you know, my head was all screwed up. It was, you know, when I would wake up, my thoughts would be on everything bad, nothing good. And I really got into the Word. I really got into prayer, really got into fasting, really got into just diving into it. Not for my vocation, because I don't have to do this. I can choose to do many different things. But I believe this is my calling. And it's so great that I've noticed that over the last umpteen years, whatever that means, that oftentimes I wake up praying, not even knowing it. I wake up this morning, I just 
I literally woke up this morning just saying, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Whereas in the past, I would have woken up with anger or with a thought or with something that was not godly. And so the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way you're going to do it is not by getting it here on Sunday mornings. The only way you're not going to get it is just by going to MCs. You're going to get it when you dive into wanting to know Christ. And then your life's going to be one that just makes Him known. Bam, you see how I just snuck that in there? It's true. It's true. So here's what we're going to do. is You're going to open your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis, first book of the Bible. If you don't have your Bible, use your phone. Okay? I remember one Sunday, someone came up to me and they were all mad at Sue like, Sue texts all while you preach. No, she's reading her Bible. Okay? It's an app. You're allowed to use your Bible app. I preach off an iPad. Okay? It keeps my thoughts from not doing tangents. You're right. But um, we're going to read. I want to pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, that this morning that we would begin to be a church of both, of both your presence and your word. And so this year, God, I have a certain peace knowing that you are fully in control. And I'm going to trust that in my life and the people's lives in front of me. And so now would you begin to do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Symbolism. We all know about symbolism. Uh, last night I was watching Lord of the Rings. My youngest wanted to watch Lord of the Rings. He loves Lord of the Rings. He loves Hobbit. He loves all these things. And, and, and you remember the ring? Precious. <sighs> what was that a symbol of? What was that a, a symbol of? Symbol of power, right? Symbolism. It's all over the place. Sometimes you talk to your kids in symbolism. Uh, I, I remember one time when I was at a camp that I worked at, and, and I was walking around with the, with the founder of the camp, Joe White. Some of you may have heard of him. And he looked like Yoda. He was all like this, and I was like this. And at the time, I was just a monster. And uh, he was walking around, and, and he picked up this rock. And he says, you know what this is? And it was like, Oh, I'm thinking like, Joe White is going to give me a word from God and my life's going to be forever changed. And I'm like, no, what is it? And he goes, it's a broken ankle. And he threw it into the woods. I'm like, oh, there was no symbolism. But it's funny, in literature, in art, in television, in so much of our lives, there's symbolism, symbolism and emblems. And things that I even find myself using to teach my children life. Life. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at symbolism in Scripture. How God describes Himself. And here's why. How, does, how do we fully understand an unseeable God? Anyone ever feel that way? Okay? How do we understand an unseeable God? Now, we saw Him in Jesus, but we see Him in Scripture. But how do we fully understand the God of the universe from the Old Testament to the New Testament 
How do we understand Jesus, which we, we can see in, in who he was as a person, but how do we fully understand him? I know that's a question that you all have because it's a question that I wrestle with myself. So let's read this. Now today we're going to be jumping into the Bible a lot, so keep your Bibles in your hands. Genesis chapter 8. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. After waiting another seven days, Noah released the dove again. This time, the dove returned to him in the evening with a fresh olive leaf in its beak. Then Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. He waited another seven days, and then he released the dove again. And this time, it did not come back. You see, at first the story goes this, that they were in the boat for a long, long time. And people were getting restless. And they knew that it was coming time to find dry ground. And so Noah at first took a raven and he threw out the raven. Raven never came back. Then he took a dove and he threw the dove out. And three times he did this. First time he came back with nothing. Second time he came back with an olive branch. And the third time, it never returned. It found its home. It found its resting place. It's interesting because when you look at Genesis chapter 15.9, Leviticus 5.7, or Luke 2.24, okay, this is why we need to look at the whole Bible, okay? You hear those verses? Genesis, Leviticus, and Luke. There was only one bird that was allowed to be used as a sacrifice. You weren't allowed to sacrifice eagles or ravens or blue jays or, or, or anything, parrots. You couldn't. There is a reason why in Scripture that the dove or two turtle doves, right? That's why we sing it. Two turtle doves. That was the offering at the temple. There's a reason behind it. Now turn with me, okay? Mark chapter 1. Matthew, Mark. Second Gospel. Mark 1, 9 through 11. I think some of you know where I'm going with this one. Good. Here's what it says. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a what? A dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. So John was out in the desert and he was baptizing people out in the wilderness desert. And when you look at the landscape, it's really the same thing. He was out there baptizing people to repent and turn back to God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and, and Jesus and John were cousins. So they knew each other. It wasn't like they were strangers and one day, oh, you're my cousin. No, they grew up together. They played together. They knew each other. And so as Jesus walked up, it was the first time that we see in Scripture that John recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. So John fights with Jesus that it was Jesus' responsibility to baptize him. I just want to say this properly, so just let me, let me just read what I wrote. John believed that he was not worthy to 
baptized Jesus. But Jesus basically forced John to allow him to make a public declaration. This is what I want you to hear. Public declaration of repentance from humanity's nature in obedience to God. Jesus was making a public declaration of repentance from human nature to obedience from God. This was not a ritual that Jesus was going through, but he was actually doing what everyone else did. Even though he was sinless, he was declaring that that nature is not mine. And in my humanness, I will be obedient to God. God used a dove. A dove. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Leviticus. We see it in Luke. We see it in other places. And we see it in Mark. Why would Jesus use a dove? And I was wrestling through this. I'm thinking like, this is really a, a, not a really masculine bird. Why? You know, us men want an eagle like, ha ha! But why? Let me just tell you this. The vast majority of Christians have no concept of the Holy Spirit. I would say, and this is not, this is not self-righteous, this is, I would say the vast majority of us have no full understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And so, so much of their lives, are, it's, it's almost like this weird journey where, where they come, like they're like, I need Jesus, I need God, I need transformation, I need something, and come, come here and pray this prayer. Little Jesus action figure, come into my heart and save me from my sin. It's not what happens. Here's what happens. The moment you proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, God has this amazing gift that He wants to instill inside you. And that is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's something that, 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 that spooks us out about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, right? Spirit, ghost. These are words that, that freak us out, that we want nothing to do with. But what God does, and He does this, and what happens is, is He puts His presence inside of us, physically inside us. So we can experience what we've been longing for. Why did you come to Jesus? Why do you need Christ? Why is it that you've been, some of you have been walking with Jesus for years and your life still looks like a... A grenade is hidden. And yet you are a child of the living God and you have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling, wanting to engulf you. I say this all the time and people come to me all the time and say, how did you know that? First five years of your walk with Jesus are the hardest. First year is a honeymoon, just like marriage. Second year, you know, it's kind of like marriage, like someone doesn't put down the toilet seat, the toothpaste, all these little things, little annoyances come back in your life. 
But there comes a decision in all of our lives. Is this God thing real? And it all comes down to not, is God real? Is Jesus the Lord? But why is He not changing my life? Amen? Anyone feel that way? Come on. Let's be real. Let's be honest. I hate when Rob does this. I don't care. fact of the matter is, we all feel this way. We all struggle with this. I struggle with it. We need to know how the presence of God was sent from heaven to engulf our lives so that when we look in the mirror, not five years later, not seven years later, not 15 years later, not 30 years later, but the moment that I say yes to Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, something supernatural happens inside me and I start to live and walk and move and talk and be and act different. Anyone get chills when I said that? We're going to talk about this for the next while. The next while. Because I am sick and tired of sitting with Christians and their lives look no different than they were before. And I'm not saying you. I'm saying in general. I'm tired of looking in the mirror and seeing some of my old habits just like coming after me like, like, like Pac-Man or the ghosts. And I think it's time for our church it's time for us to keep celebrating the Father, keep celebrating the Son, but begin to learn to celebrate the Holy Spirit in our lives. Anyone need that? Seriously, anyone need that? I'm going to tell you four simple pictures of what the dove does. Four simple things. And I'll be honest with you, when I was going through this, I'm like, this bird is so unmasculine. You know, if I'm a guy, like, I'm not going to want to talk about doves and then go watch the, jet, the Jets win. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, all you are laughing at the Jets. Thanks a lot. I won't say jerks. There's four things. And the first is simply peace. I mean, think about that first imagery from Genesis chapter 8. The dove returns with a what? An olive branch. Do you know how many times I've gone to Sioux? Probably a lot. I said, hey, it, it, my, your Starbucks is my olive branch. I want peace. So I know she loves a soy chai latte. But it's a symbol of peace. You see, the flood came for human destruction. This is real. God was angry. He was ticked. He said, I'm going to destroy this whole earth. I'm going to destroy it. But he found one person. Not even a family. He found one person. He says, I will rescue the earth and bring peace again because of Noah. It's almost like Noah was like a Jesus, huh? And so after all the storm and after everything God said, I am going to bring peace. And God didn't use the picture of a raven, which is a picture of what? Evil. 
He used a dove. And in that dove, he brought a Starbucks. And he brought it to Noah and he said, drink it. It's good. (laughs) Holy Spirit is our peace. Jesus says, my peace I give you. My peace I leave you. I'm just going to walk through these because then I'm going to talk about how it affects us. Gentleness. We all know that, that like, if you're near a, a bird, and, like, we've all done this, especially boys, and you go up to it, like, like them, you go, what do they do? <gasps> or you're like, hey, Brandon. Brandon's, like, two years old. Hey, go, go chase the pigeons. You know what they all do? <laughs> do you know what a pigeon is? Pigeon's a dove. You know that? Pigeon's a dove. It's actually, a, it's a hardier dove. Bigger, stronger. It's a dove. They don't like noise. But doves are different. Doves are, are, are able to be handled. Doves want to be coddled. Doves want to be in a place of relationship. They need one another. They're gentle. They're gentle how they handle one another. They're gentle how they build their nests. Everything about them is, is gentleness. And I love how it says in Scripture that, that, that God's gentleness leads us to repentance. God didn't want to destroy the earth. He looked and he looked and he looked. He says, you know what? I love humanity, my greatest creation. I'm going to restart it. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. Ezekiel, all these prophets, it wasn't for wrath. At times it was, but the vast majority was for gentleness. Next, purity. We all know that the dove is a symbol of purity mainly because we, when we think about a dove, we think about its color, white. That's why when I said a pigeon's a dove, you're like, no, it's not. Those things are ugly and nasty. Those things are just like, ugh. Doves are beautiful creatures. But here's a little, little lesson about a dove. They have oily feathers, okay? Oily feathers. So when things get on them, they can shake it off quickly, no matter what it is. And so very rarely will you see a dirty dove because of how God created them with their, with their, with their feathers. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's presence. And it can't rest in a place of, of dirtiness, of sin. It can't sit in these places where, where God isn't available. It hides from that. It wants nothing to do. Matter of fact, it wants to destroy it. It wants to overcome it, overshadow it, and bring purity to wash it white as snow. Like our sin. The Holy Spirit comes over us and floods us and washes our sin as white as snow. And lastly, love. The dove is an emblem of love. Right? Weddings. Do you know when they do those doves? They're trained. So like, you can't just like, I tried to buy a dove for the sermon. I literally did. But I was... I couldn't, my wife doesn't like birds, so if I bought it, I had to keep it. And I asked the lady if I could let it go, and she's like, no, no, no. Doves are our pets. So when you go to a wedding and those doves go out, they always come back. They just kind of hang out in the atmosphere and say like, okay, come back. And then they all come back. When you hear the guy go, ha, 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 and they all come. Listen to this verse. I messed up today. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts 
with his love. See, we've been talking about sanctification over the last several years. And sanctification simply means that when you are Jesus, when you are Jesus's, he sets you apart to know him, to live the life that he created you for. That's all it is. He sets us apart that we, are, that we would know that we are his children and we can experience everything he has already planned for us. I believe that when God created Brandon, Becky, Ben, Luke, I believe when God created Sue and when God created Rob, he had a perfect plan in mind. And this world taints it and pushes it away and wants nothing for us to do with it. But when I become a Christian and I'm a child of God, He sets me apart to begin to live out the calling if I allow myself to. I think there's a lot of people that miss out on the callings that God has created them. And they miss out on what God actually has. Well, God knows everything. God does everything. Well, what about free will? What about human nature? But when we are sanctified, we identify ourselves that I'm no longer this Rob, but I am this Rob. I am God's child. So how do all four of these play a role in your life? I could do a sermon on each one of these. But I want to go through symbols. You should be reading your word. You should be asking God. And this is not a step. There's no steps. One, two, three, four, how to change them. This is the work and the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do to inherit this. The only thing that you can do is say, God, you have already instilled them in me. Now manifest them through me. You get that? First, peace. How many of you have had crisis this week? Financial, relational, vocational, spiritual, physical crisis. Listen to what Paul says. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's what happens. In our world, in our humanness, we go through crisis all the time. And it's in those moments of crisis, we all know we have a decision. Are we going to give in to crisis and react how we normally do? Or are we going to stop and truly believe that God is good and He's going to work everything out for me because I am dearly loved by Him? You see, it's in that moment that we choose to react or respond where we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. That's it. That's it. We choose to either punch the situation or we choose to step back and say, God, I'm going to trust that you can handle anything and you're going to be the peace in my circumstance. And for all of you who have stepped back, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you've done it one time, God will pull you through. Two, gentleness. It says a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. 
Listen to this, listen to this imagery. Jesus, uh, it says here in, in Proverbs, I'm sorry. So be as shrewd as a snake, as wise. Shrewd means wise. With a little bit of a twist on it. And harmless as a dove. That harmless word is gentle. I mean, think about coworkers. Think about parenting. Think about marriage. Think about neighbors. We have an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to deal with conflict. I know when I raise my voice, my kids don't respond anymore. Especially one of them. When I just pull away and just give them space and tell them what they did and said, you know what? You're wrong. You need to deal with this. And I walk away and I say it in love but in truth. That child just runs after me. Why are you ignoring me? Why are you ignoring me? I want to be in a good relationship. Take me out for ice cream. I mean, seriously, think about that when you've ever sat down with someone seriously at work. Think about that if you've ever had a crisis with your spouse and you said, I can't handle this anymore. I can't handle your attitude. I need to be honest with you. But if I stop and say, I'm sick of you. I hate you. I want nothing to do with you. What does that individual do? They retract. And we think in our human strength that we can control people where Jesus says, no. God is good. God is great. God is gracious. Love. Sometimes I hate the words of Jesus. He says in Matthew, he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He also says, forgive as I have forgiven you. And the measure of forgiveness that you give to others is the measure of forgiveness that I will give to you. Well, that's a metaphor. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's, no, no, no. That, 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 he was just trying to use a play on words. No, it's not. You think about how you have forgiven your enemy. I hate this one. But the way you forgive them is our ability to fully understand and experience the forgiveness of Christ. Because if you have been forgiven much, you will love much. I hate that verse. I hate it. But I can water it down all I want. I can twist it. I can manipulate it. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus says is that I am pouring out my love for you that you would receive grace and forgiveness so that you would be a channel, a pipe of forgiveness for others. You see, that's what's so powerful about the gospel. When we allow the Holy Spirit to fully indwell us, it changes our personalities. Do you know that? Do you know that? I, I kid you not. There's something about us that changes when we come to Christ. 
It changes how we are with people. It changes our attitude. It changes our perspective. It changes what we value. And it changes how we act. And this is not action figure Jesus living in our heart. This is Jesus sitting on the throne next to God saying, because you honored me, I am going to honor you to the highest level by putting my spirit in your heart. In your heart. Well, how do I do that? You really want to know the simple truth? Jesus, forgive me. Forgive my anger. Forgive my impurity. Forgive me for those who I hate. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And teach me to learn to respond as your word tells me to. Rather than to react like I always, always do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to guide me. You're going to love me. That when I mess up and I screw up and I, I do it again, that you'll, you'll quicken my heart that I'll repent and trust you more. I love you. That's it. And the next time life and the enemy throws you a curveball, you learn to respond in the way that the Holy Spirit has already empowered you. I'll finish with one little illustration. Well, I said one thing already about the dove. Isn't it funny how we look at dove, uh, I'm sorry, pigeons as lowly and dirty and nasty. You know, we go to the parks and all we see is their poop. I mean, they're just nasty. Go to picnic tables like stupid doves. Stupid pigeons, I mean. We look at them as like dirty creatures. Isn't it funny how God uses the, the simple things to shame the wise? Didn't he? God uses the simple little things to shame the wise. That which we think are unclean, he looks at beautiful and pure. I want to be a pigeon, a hardy dove. I want you to hear a sound, if you could play this mark for me. Listen, listen to this, listen to this. It's good. There's a reason a dove does a sound. It's calling its mate. 
It's longing. It doesn't, you can see it at times. There are times when they're together, they almost sing to one another. But oftentimes when a dove makes that sound, it's lonely. It's looking for that which was lost. And if we are a follower of Christ, every time we choose the opposite way of peace, purity, temptation. Every time we give in to, to sin and, and acts of rebellion, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You ever been in those moments when, when literally you're like, I feel like this, like I don't feel right. Like I feel like I haven't been in God's presence. I feel like I'm just doing my thing. I feel like I just need to go back to church. It's not about going back to church. It's about the Holy Spirit pushing on you. And it says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when you grieve, it's cooing. It's cooing. It's longing to bring you back so that you can live in a place of perfect peace with God. Listen to me. If you have an anger issue, God wants to deal with it. And it's not okay. Everyone in our church is welcome to come. I don't care who you are, but God is wanting all of us to change. All of us. God wants to deal with your anger issue. He wants you to be gentle. If you're struggling with temptation or sin, and I mean whether it's financially, relationally, whatever it is, if you're living impure, if you're in a relationship and you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing, if you're handling your life incorrectly, God is pushing on you and you're thinking that your life's coming out of control. And He's saying that I want perfect purity in life so you can know God's perfect Plan. Peace. If your life is out of control and you've given into this, everything, everything, kids, 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 stop. God is wanting to give you perfect peace. This is a gift. I had an amazing night, amazing morning up until the car ride to church. And I got in that back room and I repented for my anger towards my children. I repented for my temper. Got on my knees and said, God, I know where this comes from. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I didn't want to preach today. But you know what? God's grace finds me. Next time they act like a bunch of knuckleheads, I can choose to react or respond. But the way that I learn to walk with the Holy Spirit is the way they will want to walk with the Holy Spirit. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. God has a gift for you. Purity, peace, gentleness. What was the last one I said? I said four. What? Love. Maybe some of you need a new love. Maybe some of you need a new love for your spouse. 
Maybe some of you need to learn to forgive those who have hurt you and harmed you because they are ruining your life. Matter of fact, you're letting them ruin your life. It's not God's fault. That's not God's fault. So here's the joy of the Lord. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to have people over here to pray for you. It's really simple. The prayer team is not allowed to give you advice. Prayer team, you are not allowed to give advice. You have to just pray. The Holy Spirit upon them. Holy Spirit, fill their area that they need your presence and your healing today.